This is With You in the Weeds. Do you ever find yourself stuck in between what you know to be true and what you actually experience? Or the difference between where you are and where you want to be? Well, if so, you're in the weeds. And like weeds, those tough places keep coming back. I'm Lynn Rausch. And I'm John Tennant. As counselors, Lynn and I deal with those weeds all the time. Together, we designed this podcast because we want to be with you in those weeds, kind of like God desires to be with us. Hmm. Now, that idea will change everything. So we hope you'll listen in and let us be with you in the weeds. Let's get started. All right, this is session two of Anger. Episode one, we talked about the roots of anger, just the dynamic and experience of anger. Austin and I were together. And now we've added our female counterpart, Lynn Rausch. Hi, guys. And Lynn, you're back. I am back with a vengeance today. <laughs> she I is. brought my Hulk part Lynn is to angry. this episode. <laughs> She's ready to go and uh, looking forward to it. And Austin, you talked in the first episode about breaking a bathtub. I have to ask you, was it porcelain? Was it plastic? Uh, we had a diamond bathtub. Diamond. <laughs> That's how strong That's I am. That's how strong you are. No, That's just the kidding. Hulk, buddy. Just kidding. I think it was porcelain or something. I don't know. Yeah, I I wish I was here for that story. That sounded really interesting. And had I been here, I would have normalized you by sharing my story of how I broke a pampered chef spoon when I was potty training my kids. Mm. So I actually broke, come to think of it, a pampered chef bowl at one point as well. Neither of these objects actually touched my child just to you know, make sure nobody gets the wrong idea. That's good. That's great. But wooden pampered chef spoon on a countertop, it, it breaks. You got something against pampered chef, apparently. Yeah. Um, and that's a little bit surprising to me, too, because you seem very calm and controlled. Like, I would have never guessed that you could fly into such a rage. So maybe we can go to Vegas and play some poker sometime because you do have a great poker face. I've, I've worked really hard to develop this poker face. So yeah, um, yeah probably not the healthiest though, because I think that means my anger is just like stuffed way, way down to the bottom. But so, yeah. So let me take us into this. Can I do that? Great. So today we want to talk about how we can work with our anger. If you stuff it, if you uh, push it away or kind of file it away in your brain, like in your folder system, uh, it's going to come back with greater force. It will come back in really unhealthy ways. Uh, I like to use the analogy of a beach ball in the deep end of a pool. The further down you try to push it, the more force it will come up with. Same with stuffing anger. But also if we just give it full vent or full control, uh, it will create a lot of damage. So the key to the universe here is anger is always a secondary emotion. It almost always sits on top of some kind of hurt, uh, lack of control, feeling powerless. Uh, when I work with couples, uh, the hurt that is often underneath the anger is, hey, you're not hearing me. You're not listening to me. That feels like I don't matter. Mm. So we want to acknowledge that there is a lot of hurt and there is a lot to be angry about in this world. We know that injustices and offenses occur on a spectrum. Mm. So you might be dealing with a 50 cent offense. Mm -hmm. You go to Starbucks, somebody bumps into you. Oh, hey, sorry. Like that's a 50 cent offense. You're not gonna hang on to that. 
But what if we start moving into $500 offenses, $5,000 offenses, a million dollar mm. offense? Your family's wiped out in the Holocaust mm. and you're the only survivor. Your family is obliterated. That's a million dollar offense. How are you ever going to get over that kind of hurt? Right. Some sort of even abuse example, all that. Just that's a million dollar offense. Think of what yes. could make you so angry. You well, know? And, and, and I know I use the Holocaust. That sounds extreme. I actually know a family. No. Um, they're now deceased, but I knew them for a period of time. Their family was wiped out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I tried to ask them questions about, gee, what was that like growing up in Germany in the 30s and 40s? They could not talk about it. So we just want to acknowledge that there are a lot of hurts and we can't address every hurt, every situation. And no doubt you're going to be listening to this thinking, well, this is my hurt. How can I get over this hurt? We can't touch every single dynamic. And at the same time, we're not minimizing that. But what we do want to do is kind of go to the 30,000-foot flyover level and give you a trajectory or a pathway to managing that anger, no matter what it's rooted in, so that you know what's happening inside of you and you can move to healthy expressions of anger or managing that anger. So it's okay to have it. It's part of the image of God in us. That was episode one. But we have to learn what to do with this, with the anger. To help you with this, uh, we've come up with an acronym, and we haven't come up with it. Lynn has come up with it, and you came up with it, I, I think. I was just laying in bed, and my brain couldn't stop thinking about this. So Some of our best ideas. Yeah. I'd like for you to not get any sleep so you can keep coming keep. up with these great <laughs> ideas. Yeah. So the acronym is going to be something that you can easily remember and go back to when you feel stuck in the weeds of anger. Yeah, and I think anger is a tricky emotion because it's very powerful, as you guys talked about in part one, and there's a reason for it. It's there to protest something that shouldn't happen or protect good things that God wants us to protect. But because it's so powerful, it can actually also be used as a weapon. And I think that's when we cross the line from, you know, you can be angry but not sin over into the territory of we're sinning in our anger. And so I really want us to help our listeners evaluate their anger so that they can manage it and not cross that line. Before before we dive into that acronym, Lynn, you just said something that really struck me. You said, we can use our anger as a weapon. Can you say more about that? What might that look like? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I think what I mean by that is that more than any other emotion— Um, the way anger can become a weapon is that we can use it uh, to try and control other people because of how powerful of Mm. of an emotion it is. So when we're hurt and we lash out in anger, we tend to cause damage. And um, I was watching TV the other night and I saw this reality show that it's something called Rage Rooms. Have you guys heard of this? Have not. No, I think, rage we, rooms. I think we need one here in our hometown. Apparently, a rage room is where you go into a room and it's full of old appliances, furniture, electronics, musical instruments, windows. And you go in there with like a hazmat suit and goggles, and then they give you a sledgehammer or a baseball bat, and you just go to town and you just start smashing and bashing everything. 
in sight, like just breaking glass and destroying everything. Can I ask for that for Christmas? Can that you, sounds yeah. awesome. Christmas coming up. Can Polly take a room in your house and turn it into a rage room? It's amazing. Yeah. And so basically the idea is it's a means to vent out your mm. anger. Okay. And and that's why it feels so good when we get to do that because, um, you know, anger is this energy that's moving for, through our body and that is a way to discharge it. But when we think about what James says in James chapter 1, verse 20, it kind of brings us down to earth when it says, the wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And what I think he means here is that anger has a way of blinding us, a way of hindering mm. us from seeing things from other perspectives. We're not like God. So we in this way, in that we can't stay completely objective in our anger. We want to be like the Hulk in the room that's just taking the baseball bat and smashing everything. And interestingly, I think that one of the characteristics of a person who maybe has a personality disorder is that they haven't matured in their ability to manage their anger. And that's why their relational mm. si style is so destructive and off-putting hmm. because in some sense, their anger is coming out like that of a toddler. It's irrational, it's self-focused, it's unmeasured, and they have this need to control their world at, you know, no matter the cost. And that reminds me also of a verse in Proverbs 29, 11. It, it says, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man holds it back. And so we don't want to be foolish with our anger. We want to be wise. And so I think a good way to think about this is that an immature person uses their anger to bend and shape reality and relationships to meet their demands. But a mature person is going to learn, what is my anger showing me? Mm. And then manage it to constructively deal with reality and the relationships around them in a more redemptive way. Mm. And so that's what our goal is here today. And so in light of that, to help us mature in that ability. Here's our acronym. And mm. so if you're taking notes, write this down because that, that'll help you really follow along. The A stands for admit it. So just admit that you're angry and we're going to cover each of these in more detail. The N is notice other emotions. The G is get regulated. The E is engage your story. And then the R actually has three words to it. It's going to be remind, repair, and repent. So anger, here we go. First step to managing your anger is to simply admit that you are angry. And this may hmm. sound obvious or simplistic. but Captain Obvious here. It, yeah, Captain <laughs> Obvious here. But it actually isn't. In fact, usually the people closest to us are the ones that can see our anger before we see it. And we may need them to reflect back to us and point it out to us. And as I was working on this, it reminded me of that Saturday Night Live skit with Martin Short, who's like seriously one of my favorite mm. actors and comedians. And it's this funny bit where he's, you know, being pressured, you know, by a reporter. And he's saying like, I'm not being defensive. What? You're the one who's being defensive. I'm not being defensive. And it's like, <laughs> you're you're so defensive that you're saying I'm not being defensive. And this reminds me of how early in my marriage with Shay, you know, he would ask me, you know, will you seem upset? Is something wrong? Are you upset about something? And here's me. I'm not upset. What are you talking about? I'm not mad at you, right? <laughs> like, I'm not being defensive. Mm. So meanwhile, I'm slamming doors. I'm breaking pampered chef's spoons. <laughs> 
on the countertop. But no, no, I'm not angry. What are you talking about? Why do I just want to see Lynn in Rage <laughs> in Monster, a rage in mode? the Hulk mode? I don't know. Maybe that's a, a bonus episode That at some might point. happen down the road. Are you a door slammer? <laughs> Is that what you do? So the basic point, A, is admit that you're angry. Admit. Yeah, that's a good point. When we don't admit we're angry, it tends to come out in other ways that are hurtful. Um, because not admitting it is like stuffing that mm-hmm. beach ball right down into the deep end of the pool. And there's a lot of force that that comes up the further you try to push it away. What are, well, John, real quick, what are some of the other ways that anger can come out if we don't admit it? Uh Passive aggressive behaviors, mm-hmm. uh, which is really just a way of trying to express your anger without getting yourself in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very passive. Mm-hmm. The person kind of doesn't feel it coming until it hits, and so they kind of don't know what to do with it. Defensiveness, uh, just as you described, Lynn, mm-hmm. giving the silent treatment, that's a good one mm-hmm. uh, because that's really, you know, mm-hmm. Dan Allender says that's a way of killing someone without any blood. You just write them off. Just act like Mm. they don't exist. It's essentially saying, Mm. I'm going to treat you as if you are dead. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the other ways, just seething, contempt, and bitterness, Mm -hmm. anger that's undealt with. Mm -hmm. If we have any chefs out there, it's like a reduction sauce. Mm. You just boil it down and boil it down and boil it down until it becomes gummy. That's what resentment is like and bitterness. Mm. Manipulation. So instead of acknowledging our anger, um, we tend to sidestep it if we don't acknowledge it. And then it comes out hurting ourselves and other people. Admitting anger is hard. Let's just mm-hmm. be upfront about that, especially for Christians. Many of my Christian clients um, will dismiss anger by saying, well, I'm not angry. Mm-hmm. I- I'm just frustrated. Right. And I often have to sit and ask them, hey, would you give me permission to define your frustration mm-hmm. as anger? Because I think that's what it is. It's low-level anger. Sometimes they really don't want to buy that. Um, It's just hard for them. Uh, They tend to spiritualize it sometimes by Mm -hmm. saying something like, well, I'm not angry. I'm just giving this to God. Well, no, you're not giving it to God. You're stuffing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think the underlying crazy-making belief is that it's not okay for a good Christian to be angry. Yeah, man, that, that makes me think of a lot of conversations I've had with clients. And part of the reason is that's so hard to be angry is that they weren't allowed to be angry in their family. Mm. You know, if they admitted that they were angry, they were either punished or they were cut off. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned giving the silent treatment. And mm-hmm. if and when that happened to them, they learned that being angry wasn't okay. And maybe explicitly, but a lot of times unconsciously, implicitly, they said to themselves, okay, Anger's not okay here, so I got to stuff it down. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I bring all that up just to acknowledge and help our, our listeners feel this, what might be at stake by admitting that you're angry. It's, it's a lot. It's not safe. Now, we still need to do it, but I know it might not be easy, and that's a little bit of the cost mm-hmm. of admitting that we're angry. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to relate to that at all growing <laughs> up as a pastor's kid or being a pastor's wife. I would have mm. no idea what mm. that means. Here is another thing that happens. If you grow up and you're not allowed to express anger, children have anger. If the parent doesn't allow the anger, the child gets the message, anger's not okay, but I have it. So when I have it, there's something wrong with me. That creates 
shame. Right. Which is another reason why I think it's so hard for Christians right. to say they have it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, thankfully, this whole concept of anger and needing to admit it, this is not foreign to the biblical story. There's a, there's a story that captures this perfectly in Genesis chapter 4, and it's the story of Cain and Abel. It's a well-known story if you've been around, you know, Christianity for a while, because it's the first murder that's recorded in the Bible that occurs right after Adam and Eve leave the garden in Genesis 3 and enter the world full of thorns and thistles. And so let me set it up here just briefly. Adam and Eve, they're living life outside the Garden of Eden, and they're living an agrarian lifestyle by and large, which just means they're essentially, they've got a farm. Cain's the farmer overseeing the crops. Abel's the shepherd in charge of the sheep. And so what God does is he commands them to bring him some offerings, some of the fruit of their labor. And so Cain, he brings some fruit and veggies, and Abel <laughs> brings the firstborn of his flock of sheep. Okay. Is this the first farm-to-table meal? Might be. Mm. Like, Might be. In the Bible? Might be. Organic. <laughs> good. Organic. Yeah. For, for reasons you know we don't have time to get into right now, God is more pleased with Abel's offering than with Cain's. And here's what the text says happened next. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. That's Genesis chapter 4, verse 5. And so God, he sees that Cain's angry reaction could have serious consequences. And so he counsels Cain and he asks Cain a question. He says, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? In other words, I can tell something's not right, Cain. Mm -hmm. If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. And so it's at this moment that Cain has a choice uh, between two doors, essentially. Door number one, mm -hmm. he can pause and he can reflect on God's counsel and deal with the anger and admit mm -hmm. that he's angry. Yeah. Or door number two, he can ignore it, he can stuff it, and he can let that anger control him. Now, if you know the story, then you know that unfortunately Cain opts for door number two. He ignores God's counsel and instead of dealing with his anger and admitting it, it controls him. So much so that in his anger and likely rage, he finds his brother Abel and he kills him. Mm -hmm. But what, what I want us to see is he didn't have to do this, right? Cain, he could have chosen door number one. And this would have meant that he admitted and explored that anger and, and not by himself, but with God. Remember, God, he asked, he asked Cain the question, why are you angry? And he asked the question not because they didn't know. Of course, God knows. Instead, that question was an invitation for Cain to draw closer to God and explore and admit his anger with God and in his presence. And if Cain had done so, he could have processed through it and resolved it. But again, he chose door number two. Cain ignored what was going on in his heart, which allowed his anger to take root and grew into that murderous rage. Austin, does this mean that God did not condemn him for his anger? His anger was okay, but he did something else. Right. He does not condemn him for the anger, right? The anger is not the issue. Anger's not crouching at the door. It's sin. Mm. Sin's the issue. And notice how the biblical writer describes sin. It's crouching at the door. It has a desire. Mm. In other words, man, sin is creative, and it's described in ways that have personal attributes. It's almost personified. It's got strategy. It's got ambition. It's got direction. And when we underestimate the power and ambition and creativity of sin, it's not going to go well for us. We don't have any power over it. No. Only Jesus does. Right. But 
But the way to shed light on that sin is to go to that second letter of our acronym. Yeah. And it's the letter N, which is notice. Right. So the N, um, after admitting our anger, is notice the other emotions connected to our anger. So the story of Cain and Abel is so instructive, and I love that you brought that up because if you just imagine and you put yourself in Cain's shoes and you try to go underneath the anger, we've got to imagine that he feels hurt, he feels embarrassed, Mm -hmm. he's confused, he feels ashamed, he's wondering why has God rejected my offering, but he's accepted his brother's offering, so he may feel jealousy or envy towards his brother. And so that's so important when we're dealing with anger is we need to slow down and pay attention and notice what other feelings could be underneath our anger. And so I think we can safely say that anger is often a big cover-up emotion Mm -hmm. for other feelings that are maybe less powerful or just unpleasant that we don't want to feel. Yeah, the, I think that's right. And and this is so important to acknowledge because if our anger is coming from a place of protection or protest, like John, we talked about in part one, mm-hmm. it, it might be a legitimate reaction to an offense that's occurred. Mm-hmm. And let me say this loud and clear to everybody who's listening. Legit offenses do occur in this life. We don't need to convince anybody of that. Mm-hmm. There might be the 50 cent ones, the $50 ones, the $5 million ones, whatever. They happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, say it a little bit differently. There are things that can and do make us react in anger. And thank goodness, Jesus is not surprised by this. He he tells us to expect this. In John 16, 33, Jesus says, in this world, you will have tribulations. In other words, troubles and hardships and persecutions. And to get a little more specific here, we will be the perpetrators and the victims of these tribulations. Mm simultaneously, perpetrators and victims. We're going to hurt others and we're going to cause anger to rise up in others by what we've done to them, intentionally and unintentionally. And at the very same time, we're going to be hurt by others. We're so, going to encounter, yeah. So we get sinned against, but we also sin in response. Exactly right. And, and, and we get sinned against, right? We're going to encounter harm through betrayal, abuse, abandonment, rejection. And when we deal with offenses that come our way, we're naturally going to feel anger. It's natural. That's not the sin. We're naturally going to feel that anger and maybe a lot of these other emotions that, that you've described that could be connected with our anger. And so the question for us and for our listeners is, will we notice when that anger comes up? You know, noticing is choosing door number one rather than door number two and not allowing that anger to take root and to master us like it did with Cain. Thank you so much for listening to With You in the Weeds. If you like what you're hearing, text this episode to a friend and find us on Instagram at With You in the Weeds. Okay, I want to move us into the third step toward managing our anger using the acronym. So we've talked about admit, notice, and now we're at the letter G, which is standing for get regulated. Mm. We addressed this sort of in part one. So go back and listen if you missed it. But there are ways that we can calm down, uh, settle ourselves. Uh, We Technically, it's your limbic system that goes into fight, flight, freeze. 
your blood pressure goes up, your heart rate goes up, and the thinking part of your brain goes offline. So we need to work with this if we've been triggered into anger. Another way to work on self-regulation, well, wait a minute, um, let's go back. How do you work with that limbic system? Uh, scientifically, it takes 20 to 30 minutes mm. for that part of your brain to calm down. Mm -hmm. Take a walk, go outside, throw some rocks. Yeah, be patient with yourself, with the other person, come back online, 20 to 30 minutes. Just learn to pull the plug and do not speak out of your anger when your thinking part of your brain has gone offline. All right, another way to work on self-regulation is thinking of your internal world inside of you as having parts. Um, when you're angry, that's not the whole of you. Mm. It will feel like it because it's moving through your body, but mm. it's really only a part of you. It's the angry part of you. Mm -hmm. um, we like to think about people's brains having parts. Uh, almost like different people inside of you. And they're really neural networks in your brain, but it's helpful to think of them as having personalities, um, mm -hmm. not multiple personalities as mm -hmm. in multiple personality disorder, but parts of your brain that get activated that contain emotions, memories, thoughts, beliefs, desires, coping mechanisms. Um, so for instance, We've talked about the Hulk inside of us. And I think a helpful way to think about the Hulk is it's a part of us. Uh, it's an mm. angry part. And when it gets fired up, it's trying to do something for you. Mm. Uh, it can take over and we can lose connection with our ability to manage it and dialogue with it. So getting regulated means you get tapped into the image of God self in you. And that part of you uh, is designed to love. It's designed to control. It's designed to lead you. It's a part of you that is more calm. It's curious. It's compassionate. It's confident. This is something mm. God has built into us. Um, so one of the ways to, to work with the Hulk or this angry part of you is to separate from it. Mm. Almost like you're observing a football game. You're in the bleachers. You're watching the players mm. on the field. What's this Hulk player yeah. actually doing? There, there, can I say, there's just a couple things I want to make clear. One, I heard you say that these parts of ourselves they do something for us. Mm -hmm. They that serve a purpose. They serve a purpose. Mm -hmm. That yes. reminds me, and, you know, we talked about how anger protects. Yes. Protects or protests. And yes. so it sounds like what you're saying is these parts, well-meaning, trying to protect or protest mm -hmm. something and let us know. Uh, the second part, it sounds like you're saying, you know, being in the bleachers and looking down, it sounds like you're saying it's better to speak for that part of us. Speak for the Hulk rather than from the Hulk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Observe it. Like, mm -hmm. what, what is that part of me trying yeah. to do for me? If yeah. I could listen to that part, like, what would it tell me? Right, right. What is it fearful of? Yeah. And when you do that, that's a way that you can get regulated. You start, yes. you start calming down. That's really helpful. That's what's great. It, what's it trying to protest? Right. What's it trying to protect? Get real curious about it. Right. And this takes some internal work to right. do. That's really helpful. That's great. Okay. Let, let's get to the next letter. The next letter is E and that stands for engage your story. And this is so important. This is the bulk of of what we do in counseling. We are helping people engage their story. So what do we mean by that? Well, sometimes our 
present triggers, the things that bring our anger to life, they have more to do with the past than the present. And until I understand what's happened in my past, I'm going to feel pretty helpless in the present. And so this step helps me evaluate what my anger could be connected to. Let me jump in and, and, and give you one really, our listeners, one really quick way to figure out, is this a past issue or present? And it's easy to remember. Anything in the present that makes you hysterical hmm. is likely to be historical. Mm, yeah. If it makes you hysterical, it's likely to be historical. That's Something good. in the past that's pouring into the present. That's great. I put that bumper sticker. That's a bumper <laughs> sticker line. Um, but to use another illustration, I'm an illustration guy. Think of a weed. And not to get too cutesy here, right? But you see a weed on the surface, but when you pull it up, there are deeper roots. That's kind of like our present experiences. Mm. There's, there's deeper roots underneath. So let me give you an example. When my kids don't listen to me, that's what brings the Hulk to life. But if I pull that weed up and I engage my story a little more, I see it's got a lot of roots underneath. And for me, those roots are all the times in my past when I wasn't listened to. Mm -hmm. And back then it made me so angry, mm -hmm. but I wasn't able to express it in a healthy way in the past. And so what did I do? Let's bury it. Let's go Lynn Roush on it. Let's just bury it way deep. Stuffed just way <laughs> in the basement. And, and so Lynn's what, a stuffer. Lynn's a stuffer. <laughs> and so what happens is I'm pouring out all of that anger that's been stuffed down onto my kids in the present. And so why does that story matter? Well, when you engage your story, you can begin to see where and how those roots of past anger are connected to the weeds of your present anger. Yeah. Story work is at the heart of what we do, like you said. Um, it's very important because when we engage it, we're making a connection in our brain to previous events that prime us and set us up for the present. Because maybe our anger isn't so much about our spouse or our kiddo or coworker as much as it is about some figure in our past that we haven't really dealt with that's created a wound, and we're protesting that. Um, someone or something that reminds us of an unprocessed hurt from the past. Yeah, this is so great, you guys. And it takes us into our last point that starts with R. And we actually have three words that help us manage the weeds of anger under this one. And that is remind, repair, and repent. And so first of all, I think we need to remind ourselves of God's love mm. and his acceptance of us. Because when we explode in anger, we do often feel shame and regret, your bathtub incident, mm -hmm. my pampered chef spoon incident. And mm -hmm. so we really need to preach the gospel to ourselves in those times. And I can reflect back when my kids were little, I felt so ashamed when I would explode in anger. Mm -hmm. I, in fact, Sunday mornings, if I can hear mm -hmm. all the moms out there, are Sunday mornings not the worst day of the week when you're trying to get your kids dressed for church mm -hmm. out the door? <laughs> And the kids are screaming and you're like all dressed up looking good on the outside, but you're yelling at your kids. And then you just feel so gross and icky when you show up to church mm. and you just, I mean, I just want to turn around and go back home. Like, why am I even here? Can you relate no, to this? No, I, I, nothing is landing. Nothing I is can't landing. understand it. I, I don't think my wife would understand that either. Well, right. I, years ago, when I was a senior pastor, trying to get my kids out of the door, oh. yeah. I would, shut up, we're yeah. going to go worship. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, <laughs> yeah. wait a minute, no, something's not right something's here. Something's not right here. And yet, at the same time, being in community and hearing the truth of the gospel that I'm forgiven, God loves me, his grace covers over my sin, 
is exactly mm. what you need to hear in yeah. those moments. Yeah. So we need to be reminded of that. That's the first R. The second R is we need to learn the skill of repair. If we've hurt someone with our anger, we need to go back and repair. And that anger has likely created a rupture in a relationship. And unless we learn to repair it, that is not going to heal. And so three just quick, easy, and practical steps to repair. Uh, dare I say these are alliteration things. The letter A, first, we want to admit what you did wrong and get specific. Don't just say sorry, but get specific about what you actually did. Admit it. The second, ask the person to share how your anger impacted mm, them. That's a good one. Don't justify it. Don't minimize it. All you do at this point is you listen. You're not playing the right and wrong game. You're just listening. How did your anger impact them? So ask them. And then third and final way to repair, just apologize and ask for forgiveness. Don't demand that that happen right away. Again, this is, let's go back to the scale of offenses. If it's a big, big, big offense, that person's probably going to need more time to process. Mm -hmm. Okay. So ask for forgiveness and say something like, I would like your forgiveness, but I want you to have some space and have some time. So give them, give them space there. So, you know, I think that's, uh, that can be seen what you've just described, the repair process that can be seen as a fruit of repentance. Yeah. Um, because repentance is the simplest way I've learned to understand it is coming to a point of seeing into yourself and getting to the point of, I get it. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I own this, you know, I did this wrong mm -hmm. and I will do anything to restore it. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe we've had like murderous thoughts about someone or acted out of vengeful anger. Um, repentance takes us to the place of getting, I'm overcome by this. Mm -hmm. Like sin is, has crouched at my door. Mm -hmm. I'm powerless over it. God, you need to come into this. Come into the weeds of this with me. Yep. And the fruit of that's going to be, what do I do to restore it? Yeah. Right? And I think it really has to do with, at that point, seeing yourself clearly. And I experienced this early in my marriage when I realized after several years that I was really angry. Mm. And it, I guess it's more common today that people going into marriage know that you can't change people. But I kind of feel like 25 years ago when I got married, I didn't get that memo. <laughs> So I walked down the aisle with a very um, idealized version and idealistic expectations of what I wanted my marriage to be like and mm. what I wanted Shay to do and how I wanted him to respond. And so when I started to get in the weeds of marriage and things weren't happening the way I wanted them to, I started to feel angry. I felt resentment. And I felt very justified in this. I mean, I was right. I mean, there was no other perspective. Hmm. And what started to happen is I used my words as a weapon against my husband through criticism, all the things you talked about earlier, John, passive aggressive behaviors, you know, stonewalling, stonewalling, um, withholding love, things like that. And about five years into the marriage, I could really start to see myself in those really bad moments. And I thought, this is ugly. Like the stuff that was in my heart was ugly and it wasn't who I wanted to be, but it felt overpowering. Like I really felt like I couldn't control it. I felt like these angry thoughts and feelings had control over me. And providentially, I was in this Tim Keller Romans Bible study. If you guys have ever done it, it's so, so good. And one week we were looking at idols of the heart. 
And there was this list of idols, which basically, you know, is a, a descriptor for things that are usually good things, but things that we've kind of made the ultimate desire in our lives. And the very first one that I came across, it said it was the need for approval and appreciation, which kind mm. of hit the heart of what I was wanting from Shay and was not getting at the level that I mm. felt I deserved. And I just felt immediate conviction by the Holy Spirit. I got down on my knees. I confessed to God that I had been angry at Shay, that I wasn't getting that approval and that appreciation that I wanted. And I had turned it into a demand and mm. I knew I had been hurting him. And so in tears, I sat down and I actually made a list of all the ways that my words and actions were hurting him. And it was like, John, just like you said, it was like blinders were taken off of my mm. eyes. And I saw myself so clearly in that moment. There was no rationalization, no justification. I had been deeply humbled. And I called Shay and I said, can you come home and talk? He was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm like, no, we're okay. The kids are okay. I just, I need to confess this to you. And mm -hmm. I cried as I read this to him. And I just said, you know, look, I know my anger has hurt you. I've been acting foolishly. And he was very gracious, as you know, because he's a great guy. Mm -hmm. um, he was very gracious and forgiving. But interestingly, he took this approach that said, you know, Lynn, some of the things that you're complaining about or that you're upset about, like, these are things I need to work on. I know I'm not perfect as a husband. Mm. Like, I'm glad you brought these to my attention. And that was actually really a turning point in our communication because I learned I can't stuff my pain and I have to be able to communicate about it, admit when I'm angry, not use my anger as a weapon. And when I noticed what was happening inside of me in those deeper emotions and I engaged with God and brought that into relationship with Shay, it was very healing and I feel like it got me unstuck from that place in my life. Lynn, that's a great story. Um, it kind of fleshes out what we've been talking about. And as we land the plane, let's go back and just think of our acronym again. Admitting the anger. It's okay to have it. Notice the other emotions that sit below the anger. Get regulated. Don't just react in your anger. Respond. Get regulated. Go back and listen if you need to, to some of the steps in there. And there's more in episode one about that as well. The E is engage your story. Is this rooted in unresolved things from the past pouring into the present where they don't belong? And the R, there are three things. Remind yourself of the gospel. Jesus has taken good enough off the table. And he gives you his gift of perfect righteousness you're adopted. He loves you. Uh, you don't have to be ashamed of being angry. Um, that's the remind yourself of the gospel part. And then repair and repent. Maybe repent and repair. Um, but you guys get it. You can go back and listen if you need to. But thanks for letting us uh, kind of let you in on how we think about this. And this is really strength for the journey and tools for your backpack as you yeah. keep hiking. Thanks for letting us be with you in the weeds of life. We want this resource to bring you hope and to help bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Follow us on Instagram at withyouintheweeds. If you like what you're hearing, text the episode to a friend, like us, and leave a review. Until next time, remember, 
God is with you in the weeds.